one of the more fascinating uh, aspects of creation uh, that God says to mankind, he says about mankind, uh, really he says to himself, doesn't he, at the beginning, the first chapter of Genesis, let us make man in our image. And he goes ahead and makes man and woman in his image and likeness. And the church has always understood that uh, to have a reference to uh, the soul of each of us. We have an intellect, we have a will, uh, we have the ability to, uh, to reason uh, and also to choose, uh, as does God. Uh, God who is spirit uh, and the foundation, the fundamental uh, reality of all, uh, all of existence. And so somehow uh, the, the mankind, all of us, uh, reflect that reality that is, uh, that is in God, uh, namely our soul. And, and all of the Old Testament uh, emphasizes in so many ways uh, the, 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 the total and complete otherness, as it were, of God. I can't even begin to approach uh, the infinite reality uh, and the infinite goodness in the end that is God. All I can do is to obey. And then all of a sudden, uh, at the fullness of time, the moment of the incarnation when God becomes man, something is different. Not that God changes, that can't happen in God, uh, but he takes to himself, he, he takes to himself a human nature and unites this, the, the physical part of us, even, to himself. And this is something that is, again, utterly fascinating when you begin to consider it. Um, because it reminds us, it reminds us and shows us, really, that um, God and creation, God and humanity, are not fundamentally opposed. And again, when we consider the reality of sin and how that's affected mankind since the beginning, uh, there is this sort of sense of, of fear, and I don't mean fear in a good kind of a way. I mean, I mean a servile kind of fear uh, that, that, that makes us wonder about God's intentions with regards to all of us. Even, even though all of, all of salvation history uh, indicates that there is no, there's like there's no hatred or animosity in the heart of God towards his people. There's only, from the beginning, a desire for salvation. Even the curses, we call them curses, um, that, he, that he utters towards Adam and Eve uh, at the beginning, right after the fall, are not intended to be just that. They're meant to be, meant to be remedies. Uh, things through which, okay, we have to pass. They're difficult. They're difficult. We experience them as painful realities. I mean, work becomes difficult and painful for women in childbearing and relationships between men and women. All these kinds of things which are, which are, are, are again, painful realities for all of us in our own way. Not, to, not, not meant to be things that keep us from God, but rather meant to be things that bring us to Him. And so God's intent then, from the beginning, has been to unite us to Himself. And all of that is what makes today's gospel possible. I mean, the way our Lord uh, interacts with this man uh, in this healing scene in the gospel is, I mean, when I was a kid, you called it a wet willy. You know, like, get your finger out of my ear. Like, why are you spitting on my tongue? And if you touch my tongue, I'm probably going probably gonna to punch you, frankly, you know? Uh, and so here it is, our Lord uh, entering into this, like, I mean, interacting with this man in a way that is, that's kind of gross, frankly. Uh, and something that we might not really be prepared for. And so, like, why is it that he has to, to go in that sort of direction? Precisely because he's taken now to himself uh, a body, uh, a human body. Uh, and, like, enter into that 
aspect of, of reality with, with each of us as well. There's a reason that when we come to Mass, uh, we have what we call all the smells and bells. <laughs> There's a reason that all of the sacraments uh, are a physical sign for each of us. It's because we are physical beings with the body and soul. And so all of that is taken up into the way that God brings about our salvation. So like work through in your mind for a minute all of the sacraments. So, you know, we have the things that we see even here in the church. I mean, there's a reason we want the church to be beautiful. Um, the reason you have to sit here and listen to me preach forever and ever, amen. Okay, we use the bells too. That's, that's good for the, for the hearing, fine. Um, we use incense uh, for, the, for, for the smells, okay? And you also receive communion you know, on, on the tongue for, for the taste. And question is, this though isn't any of that really, it's, it's touch. And where do we see that in the sacraments? Each of the sacraments has a moment where the priest or the minister uh, is laying hands on the one uh, or something that is going to be affected or transformed in the context of the sacrament. Baptism has it. Confession has it. You don't see me behind the screen, but my hand is up. It's a laying on of hands. Confirmation, likewise. The bishop um, laying hands, rather praying over all of the confirmandi. Here in the Eucharist, you see it when the priest lays his hands over the gifts uh, and is calling down the Holy Spirit. Um, anointing, the priest lays his hands on the head of the person. Marriage, they take each other's hands when they exchange the vows. There's something about all of this uh, that, that evokes whatever's happening here in the gospel. There's also uh, another reference that we, can, that we can consider when our Lord speaks about loving our neighbor as ourself or the second greatest commandment to love one another uh, and, 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 and all, all of this. There's something about this that, that indicates the love of God being mediated to another through our humanity. So something about, again, our humanity, again, is, just, is, is extremely important to consider the way that God brings about our salvation. And so he sticks his finger in the guy's ear, and he spits on his tongue, and he touches his tongue, as, as gross and as awful as that is uh, to each of us, just to, just to consider there's something about God breaking into the depths of our humanity uh, that is so important for us. So I'd like you to consider for a moment, when was the moment that God broke into your humanity? Whether it was in a physical way, He uses those things as experiences in our lives sometimes, like my sickness or illness or whatever else happened to me that jarred me and made me say, okay God, maybe now I'm ready to listen. Maybe it was something along those lines. Maybe it was something else in the context of a relationship or whatever else was happening in your life that made you look at God and say, all right, God, like you got into the depths of my being. And it's not just like for this guy to smack across the face, like he's sticking his finger in my ears. You know? I mean, it's, for lack of a better word, it's, it's something that, that, that goes very deep within us, the way that God uh, wants to transform it also means for us that our salvation, the salvation that God gives to us, isn't something that is just sort of pontificated or pronounced from on high. Uh, it's something that comes, that's like wrought, as it were, from the inside out. And, you know, we consider the way that some of the, the Protestant reformers, uh, if that's the right word, probably not from our standpoint, uh, wanted to go about understanding salvation. So like Martin Luther, for example, is going to say that all we are is a dung heap covered in snow. And like, that's what salvation is for us. 
And as Catholics, like, we shout out, absolutely not. Is that, like, is that all that I am? Or does God enter the depths of my being and, and again, transform me from the inside out? It's the reason that things actually become holy when they receive the grace of God. That's why I can bless water and exercise salt water, mix it together and, 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 and distribute it. And it actually has effect. So like, things change when the grace of God comes into contact with them. And the same is true for each of us. I am transformed when I receive him in the sacraments. I, the sacrament itself is transformed. Bread and wine really do become body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And I get to receive that as well. And I get to be united to my God. This is a prayer that the priest says when he pours a little bit of water into the wine as he prepares the chalice here on the altar. He says, By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. May we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. We really do become sons and daughters of God Most High, and that's the mission we're given to live out. As he orders these people not to tell anybody, uh, about this miracle. The more you order them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They're exce- exceedingly astonished. And they say, he's done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. That's what he's offering to us today, to make the deaf hear in an even deeper kind of way. This is the thing I'm proclaiming to you. And then to go out of here and make, maybe if we haven't been so confident in proclaiming the gospel, to, to get out there and, and, and preach what we've heard, what we, what we have received. Such that everybody, the whole world, can come to know the, like the, the amazing reality that God doesn't just say in, in, a, in an impotent kind of a way, you're healed and forgiven. He goes all the way to the cross in his physicality and he dies on the cross in this terrible and awful way. Precisely so that we can see that even like all of the physicality with which we are made, that too is transformed. 